life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to Life After That. everyone and welcome to another episode of life after that this is the second episode where we are talking with denise allen from gaston oregon uh in her previous episode and i encourage you to go back and listen to it if you have not uh we talked about her wife mary dewitt who passed away in october of 2015 from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis also known as als and in this episode, Denise is going to talk to us about uh, what has happened in her life since Mary passed away. And they had been together or been married since 2004. So they had a very long relationship, a very loving relationship. And uh, it was a very difficult time during the time that Mary suffered with the ALS. And uh, let's let's talk to Denise and see uh, what it was like for her after Mary passed away and how she uh, dealt with her grief and what she's doing nowadays. Denise, thank you for coming and talking to us again today. Absolutely. Thanks, Jan. Thank you. So could you please, uh, after Mary passed away on the 31st uh, of October in 2015, uh, your whole life did an upside down change again, right? So yes. tell us, she had been in the hospital for several months. So your house, you had already kind of gotten used to her not being at home, really. Right. right. But uh, so, but tell us what it was like once she passed away and you went home for that first time and then your grief. What, how did you deal with your grief? Oh boy. Well, that first day, um, I, I do need to talk about that because it was something that traumatized me for quite a while. Um. Everybody who'd been at the hospital, um, including a housemate I had at the time, who had um, whose mother had had ALS, um, has since passed away, but at the time was living with ALS. Um, uh, this person and her husband, her son, had moved in with me um, because they needed a place to be. I needed someone here when Mary was in the hospital, and I was traveling back and forth. Just mm -hmm. and and we were we were friends. And uh, it was somebody to talk to who kind of understood the whole ALS thing. Um, so we all came back to the house here. Another um, local spouse had made a huge meal and brought it over. I mean, she it was like Thanksgiving here. Yeah. She brought, It was like, bless her heart, she brought so much food. Um, so everybody ate. We started making phone calls to people, made sure my youngest daughter knew before anybody posted anything on Facebook um, and started making our phone calls. And um, I I think just everyone having had been there when Mary passed, it had been a very profound experience for everyone in very different ways. And we had a lot to process and we weren't able to process it that day. Um, I got to the point where I got very upset in a shouting match with my housemate and I got in my car and I drove off and everybody started calling me and I refused to answer my phone. I drove 
around for a while. And then I sat and parked at a local wetlands reserve and just sat in my car screaming. Um, finally, I went back to the house. And while I had been gone, my housemate had apparently gotten into a big argument with my two friends and my youngest daughter and had cornered my youngest daughter. Oh, wow into a corner in the laundry room and gotten in her face and um it was a very um I ended up back yelling at all of them and I finally yelled at all of them at the top of my lungs you're supposed to be here to support me and you're not doing that so you can all just get the f out yeah and I went in my bedroom with my dog and I shut the door um took a long time to get through that um that was pretty much the end of my friendship with that housemate she continued to live here for another year and a few months um but it was never comfortable after that mm -hmm. um, I couldn't trust her anymore I mean I knew she had had some mental health issues and I knew that before she had moved in but this was the first time I had seen this kind of uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. And it did happen several times more after that. And then when her mother passed, it got really bad. Um, so she finally had, she finally moved out with her son. Um, it's, I, I, I wish things had gone differently. That little boy was very near and dear to my heart. My grandkids were in other states and it was kind of, you know, good to have a little one, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it didn't, I didn't feel allowed to move through my grief more and more. I felt like I had to stay in my room and they got the rest of the house. Um, Mary's wheelchair was still in the living room. The lawyer was still in the bedroom. Um, boxes and boxes of, of formula and, and trach supplies and all sorts of things were here. I finally got um, the ALS Association loan closet to come and get the wheelchair, uh, which I donated. Medicaid had provided that. Mm -hmm. And um, they had loaned us the Hoyer. So that went back to them too. And then I found, eventually got, the ability to pack up all those medical supplies. And I took them to um, a local nonprofit organization that's similar to Doctors Without Borders. Mm -hmm. um, it's Medics International, I think is the name of it. And they took almost everything that was left. Um, so I was able to eventually get all those things out of the house. The um, impression of Neil's Mary's wheelchair on the rug though, lasted yeah. a lot longer. Because those chairs weigh a lot. So. They weigh a lot, and it had been sitting in the same spot for eight months. She had never been back in her wheelchair after she had been traked. So you had ghosts in your house. I did have, I had a lot of ghosts in my house, yes. Um, before, um, I, had, I had a lot of support from our Facebook group, um, the ALS Spouse Caregivers Group, which I had helped to found in right. January of 2015 with Megan Kristen mm -hmm. uh, and 
after Mary died, I decided I didn't want to be home for Christmas. And so I flew to New York to be with my daughter and my grandson. And while I was there, I created a new Facebook support group, um, Cal's Widows. Yes. And um, that's where a lot of my energy has been since then. Um, I had always told Mary that when she was done fighting, I would continue to fight for everyone else. And my way of doing that is supporting spouses and widows. Um, I, the first anniversaries are really hard, as you know. Yep. Um, the first Christmas was hard. It was Mary's favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the anniversary of her of the date she got her trach, the anniversary of the date she was back in the hospital for the last time, my birthday, our wedding anniversary, her birthday, and then the anniversary of her death. So I managed not to be home for all of those. Um, well, most of them, I guess. For my birthday, I I, I flew to Fort Walton, Florida. And saw Meg. <laughs> some time with Meg. It was right after her husband had passed. Yeah. So we had, um, it was the first time we met in person and it was very good for both of us. Healing experience. Um, so I was there for uh, our wedding anniversary and my birthday, which our wedding anniversary was um, June 19th. My birthday is on the 22nd. So pretty close together. And then Mary's birthday is July 23rd. And I managed to be on a work trip that weekend, uh, Kansas City. And uh, so a few other uh, widows had flew into Kansas City to meet with me. So Barbara um, and Diane, not Diane, it was um, a Rick and um, shoot, I'm blanking on her name. There's quite She's a few. But I remember when you took that trip because I remember reading about yeah. it. So that was good to just spend time with some other folks and we were all get going through the same thing. We all cried together. We all laughed together. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the first anniversary of Mary's death, I went to a conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we went out, uh, actually one of my exes, and a bunch of other interpreter friends and I went out a couple days before Halloween, um, went to a gay club in Louisville. And I am embarrassed to say how drunk I got. <laughs> I remember my ex holding me over the toilet and me screaming, she's gone. Yeah. But you needed to do that. You needed to purge it was all very of that. cathartic. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really spoken to the ex much. It had not been a good breakup, but she was definitely there for me that weekend. Good. Um, and I was very grateful for that. She actually put me in a taxi, took me back to my hotel and put me in bed oh. and turned off my alarm, <laughs> came to check on me the next day. Um, I've never been like that before or since. It but was look how much you had taken in for so long. And you long. held it in and you were surviving. You did like all of us do. You pushed everything of you down. Yep. And you had you know, to, was, in order to survive, you had to. 
Yeah. Even so though it, I was seeing a therapist every week. Didn't it, matter. You, you it still didn't had matter. to you still had to stuff it all down in order to survive and function in the world you were functioning in. Keep working and yep. paying yep. the bills and yep. being living in a house where I didn't feel like it was my home. Mm-hmm. Um so that was that was uh right after that conference, actually Kristen came and met me in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And uh before the conference, she met me in Louisville for a couple of days. And then after the conference, I drove to Memphis to hang out with her family for a few days. So I got to be, you know, in, in people's company for a good solid week. And that was really important to me. Just and to, you're at that one year point right there, yeah, right? That one year point is so rough. And I, you know, it is. And a lot of people think or were told that the grief should be over after a year. Oh, it just started really. It's just year two, year two. Year two is the hardest. Mm -hmm. It 100%. It really is. Uh, That, that drunken screaming passed out night that I spent was really just the beginning because that was the first time I really said out loud that she was gone. Mm -hmm. The love of my life, my soulmate was gone. It was not coming back. Because it finally hit because you it were still in, you were still through. in survival mode that first year. That's and, what I did. I worked myself to death. I did everything to avoid dealing with it. And and probably it was being that drunk that allowed my barriers to fall so yeah. that I could feel all of that. Yeah. Um, and I don't recommend that as <laughs> the best no. method, but but it is what it is. And but then you could start dealing with it and moving forward. I'm guessing. Right. Okay. right. So um, probably about six months after that, I started thinking about dating. Um, not anything. I didn't, I didn't want any commitment. I really just wanted to get out there. And, you know, I had talked to some of my other widow friends to be blunt. Mm-hmm that the first time you have sex after your spouse is gone is the hardest. And I kind of just wanted to get it over with. <laughs> I finally did um, meet somebody I thought was going to be a one night stand. And I ended up dating her for four years. Oh, I th- that would be the one that helped you with your remodel of your bathroom. Yes. That I recall reading about. <laughs> yes. So um, she lived two hours away, which was pros and cons. And then, of course, COVID hit, and uh, we didn't see each other at all for a few months. We never really talked on the phone. We occasionally texted. It was a really weird relationship that way. Mm-hmm. But my roommate had moved out, and I was perfectly happy being in my house by myself. By, you know, when COVID hit, uh, my job became work from home. Mm-hmm. And about six months later, I moved into another position that was a permanent at home position. And I was, I was, although I was isolated, um, I was much more comfortable because that was after my car accident also and driving became really difficult for me. Okay. So working from home for me was an environment I could control. Um, I didn't have to deal with constant interruptions because they couldn't just walk into my office. Mm-hmm. and start telling me about their weekend um they had to you know instant message me and I would answer when I got around to it so right, it was right. a lot easier for me to deal with um 
I was able to finally start getting some things caught up around the house because I had just, I took a week off after Mary died and then I was back at work full time and back, I threw myself into work and I was working long hours and seven days a week and, you know, um, really threw myself into that. Yeah. Um, also not healthy, but it's what I needed to do to get through things. Um, but it turned out the relationship, you know, the first few months through COVID and the bathroom remodel, I, I started to realize there were some red flags I had not seen and that, uh, that was not a good relationship. And so that ended not, not very well, but it did. I'm grateful that it did. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what I don't want and that I don't have to settle for anything. Um, I, that's been a year and a half now and I have no interest in dating right now. I'm really focused on me. Um, I got laid your home, your home now, right? Your home is your home. It is. And, you know, I've gotten some new furniture. I've rearranged some things. Um, I um, got laid off from my corporate job after 18 years with the company and just this past July. The first thing I did, um, because one of the things we learn, having lived through this ALS monster, is that don't put off the things you want to do and the things that are on your bucket list. And one of the things that has been a dream of mine since I was young was to cruise the Alaska Inside Passage. So when I got laid off and got my severance package, the first thing I did was book my cruise and three weeks later, I was in Alaska. Yay for you. And uh, it was very healing uh, for me. Still spiritually, um, still almost seven years later after Mary passed, still processing that, Mm -hmm. uh, processing losing a job that I had been in for so long and not knowing what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, I I took that, I took some time to just get myself back to myself and and redefine again, who I am and who I'm going to be rediscovering, reinventing, recreating ourselves, which we do from the ALS centers, our lives. Um, we all got nursing degrees. We just didn't know we were getting a nursing exactly. degree. Or maybe it's a doctor's degree. I, I'm pretty sure I got a pulmonology degree. Yeah. <laughs> I might have gotten a neurology degree along the way, along with my accident. Um, yes. Yeah. So we definitely learned things we never thought we would learn and wish we hadn't. Right. Um, and then we reinvented ourselves and learned more stuff because I've completely flipped my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, I, um, have decided it's not healthy for me to go back to the corporate world. It's not a healthy environment, not to mention that everybody's laying off middle management, not hiring them. So there's not a lot of promise in that. And probably the last three or four years, I discovered I have a passion for wine and talking about wine and learning about wine. And so I've, I've been studying and taking tests. I'm taking my level two exam on um, 
Wine and Spirit Education Trust, which is an international accreditation program for um, wine knowledge. Um, currently working part-time in a wine tasting room, loving it because it combines all the things that I studied in school. Uh, That's I, awesome. I majored in history. I had a minor in biology. I was this close to a minor in chemistry and another one in geography. And who gets Here what? It is all this together. company is all about the science and I'm loving it. Um, that makes me happy to hear because yeah, that's awesome. And so even though everything you went through was sad, all of these things had to happen for you to do what you're doing now that's making you happy. Yeah, And that's, that's my situation as well. Uh, I would not be doing the things I'm doing now. If I mean, would I want to go back and change things? Yeah. I don't want to lose him. I didn't want to go through it all, but it happened. No. Yours happened. And what's important is you've come out of the fog of grief at this point. You can still be sad. We can come back and visit and talk. But look what you've done. You've re, re, yeah. you've found a whole new life just for you. And that's yeah. what I've done. And that's what I want other people, other widows, widowers, partners, whoever. That's what I want them to know. Just like my husband said, keep on keeping on. Just right. keep on. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm very grateful for all the support that I've had from my therapist who I still see to the ALS spouse caregivers group on Facebook that I'm still an admin, even though I don't share things there. Um, the Cal's widows group I'm very active in as well. Yes. Um, it's sad how big both groups have grown. Isn't it though? I it was looking is. at those numbers in the last couple of days and I was like, wow, it's, it's very sad to me. But and you're adding time, more members every day and it's every day my mind, blowing but at my the mind. same time. What a wonderful resource for people. Oh, absolutely. Starting on this journey, whether starting from diagnosis or starting from death and, and finding a community because society tells us to, to get on with it, get over mm -hmm. it. And, and they don't understand because they haven't been through it. We never get over it. You never get over it. You learn to move we on and deal with it. it. We go through it. Yep. And we have to incorporate what we've experienced into our lives in a way that's healthy. And people don't want to hear it. And one of um, another thing I'm doing besides the wine studies is um, doing some life coaching and developing some speaking programs on my, my motto really is that we tell our stories until we feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I, I think people get tired of hearing us tell the same stories over and over again. And they tell us, you've already told us that right. and it's like, well, you didn't hear it. Yeah. You heard it, but you didn't hear it to the point where I felt heard. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I have to keep telling it. And, and it wasn't until I started feeling heard that I was able to start really healing. And, and I think that's something. what happened to me as well. I totally get that. Um, it's, it's been five and a half years for me since Bill mm -hmm. died. And I told this to another lady that I was interviewing the other day. It's only now that I can do what I'm doing right now, that I can actually talk about it without breaking yeah. down and crying. Now I may go in there in that bedroom tonight and all of this wake up something and I may lay there and cry. Or I may sure. scream really loud. Yep. But what I've learned is I can do that and then I can shut it off and keep going. 
I refuse. I make a choice to not get stuck. I don't want to get stuck. It's okay to remember it and cry and scream and be sad for a little bit, but then I'm going to walk out that door. I'll get in my car and drive wherever I do, whatever I have to do to get myself back out of that uh, sad mode. And that's how I've continued moving on. I, I refuse to live in grief. I'm just not going to. That's not what Bill would want for me. That's not what Mary would want for you. I mean, uh, I, and I'm just not going to do it. I'm I'm going to live my life as best I can. I'm, I call myself, I'm poor as dirt. <laughs> I do not have anything, but I'm happy. I'm happy with what I'm doing. I love doing the podcast. I'm getting to meet people that I've never met before from all over. I mean, I feel like I've already known you for years, but we've yeah. never actually seen each other face to face until right, right now. And right. um, it, it's just, it means the world to me. It's helping me heal more. And this, to me, this podcast is more about a ministry in my way of trying to help all those others who are coming through this. And that's the same thing, same reason I did my book all those years ago. And that book, it was actually another ALS family, one of their adult children wrote me on Facebook a while back and said, why don't you write another book? Because you've can, you've been able to pick up the pieces and you've done so much, write another book. I didn't want to write another book. And so I kind of got involved with this whole podcast world and I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, cause it actually will reach more people. And so this podcast, even though I've only put up three episodes and they're actually my stories and I'm just now starting to roll out everybody else's, Eight countries as of last night have downloaded this podcast. Wow. Eight so countries, almost 200 downloads. So we're already reaching people. That's who hopefully it will help. Yeah. That's wonderful. So yeah. I love hearing uh, the wine tasting. I'm not, I, I'm not a wine drinker. It, it's, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> 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 My daughter could tell you some stories. I mean, <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. I think before. Before she got married, maybe before she was even old enough to, to, uh, it, she was probably able to drink. We went to Olive Garden of all things. Oh boy. And, you know, they give you the complimentary wine. Unlimited everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I got a complimentary glass of wine that I thought was quite delicious. And I went ahead and let them pour some more. Well, not being a regular drinker, <laughs> that's not a good idea. No. Nope. <laughs> and she can tell you that, uh, I did that and then, I just lost control of myself. I was laughing. She said, mom, you were laying in the booth. (laughs) I I was laying down. So yeah, me and alcohol have to uh, be careful. (laughs) Yeah, I I do too. Because my family generationally has issues. Well, I do too. I have alcoholism in my family. So I do have to be careful. So I do have to be careful, but. I discovered, you know, back early days. And one of the things Mary and I did together early in our marriage was we worked a lot with essential oils and herbs and we made a lot of our own blends. And so I had a nose for detecting different things. Oh yeah. And it really translates to wine tasting so much that I can, I can sip a glass of wine and identify what I'm, what I'm tasting, what I'm smelling, whether it's white pepper or black pepper, I can tell you the difference. So there's something, which is something that fascinates me and just how different wines can be from one vineyard to the one next door. 
That's amazing. It's That's just another just, part of your life. It's my come geek together. on, yeah. right? It's my geek on. And so right now, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do some life coaching, but I'm also doing some small business coaching because one of the things I learned after losing my job was that I had lost myself mm-hmm. again. And so I took a life coach course on, on finding your life purpose. And I had done life purpose work mm-hmm. probably 20 years ago. And I had lost track of what my purpose was. And my purpose he is lost to help you. People. Mm-hmm. My purpose is to help people find divine joy. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm working with a small business owner who is in the wine industry here who was ready to close the business Mm -hmm. and is now so excited because I helped remind them of why they started the business, why they're passionate about it. Why do they want to continue it? And I'm also helping them update their business materials in a way to get more clients. And I've been told I'm the best consultant they've ever had. And they've had other people they paid a ton of money to and we get along great. We go wine tasting together and they're a great friend. And it's somebody I would never have met outside of the wine world, but I have a new friend. And, and that's something that's been really hard since Mary died. It's not not having family here, living in a rural area, making friends that are like-minded and accepting can be challenging. Sure it can. And so slowly making friends with people who who are on a same wavelength as me and enjoy same things as I do um, has been really, really helpful. That's a real treasure. That's one of the things I've talked about. It's really hard. Uh, I, I live most of my days alone and I don't mind it. I'm happy. Um, but it's... Uh, but what I'm seeing, and I know listeners can't see you, but I, I can see her because we are actually doing a video chat. But the change in your face that I just observed when you started talking about your new life, this is the new Denise, your home, your new job. And that job brings together everything you've told me about you, everything. Yeah. And your face lit up like a light, your eyes lit up. And I wish everyone could see that. So you are, you are your life after is actually turned out pretty good at this point and you're continuing to go. And I, I'm excited for you. I'm more than seven years out at this point. Um, I will say I still had a very rough session with my therapist today. Um, That's okay too. The the moments of Mary's death. Um, But at the same time, this, this wine tour guide that I've been working with just donated a wine tasting tour for up to six people for the ALS Association. How fantastic is that? Yeah, which is a thousand dollar tour. So, I mean, I'm 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 still helping the community. You are. I'm finding resources for a fundraising auction for the ALS Association here. So, I mean, people here love to spend money on wine. We're in the middle of wine country in Oregon. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's an up and coming thing in the world even so it it's really exciting to be in the middle of that and um and see you found another purpose you found a new purpose yeah. and you're not I'm just 
I feel better now hearing the end. Of, this is how I wanted your story to end. I wanted, <laughs> I was hoping that we were going somewhere positive, but pretty much everyone I've interviewed so far. And as those shows roll out, roll out, uh, almost everyone, I think at this point has told me how they're, they're finding a way to use what we all went through this horrible crap that we went through. They're mm-hmm. finding a way to turn that into a way of, helping others either in the ALS community or in other areas, but they're all finding um, a way to be positive. (laughs) This has been my other therapist. So right now I'm showing um, Jan, my little dog, Rafi. We adopted Rafi about a month before Mary was diagnosed because I was traveling a lot for work and um, we were living out in the country and she needed a companion and he trained himself to be her service dog. Um, she, if her BiPAP beeped, he would come get me. If she honked the horn on her wheelchair, she would come get, he would come get me. Um, that dog's got some chihuahua in him. That's what I always thought, but surprisingly, so he was eight months old when we adopted him. He'd been running the streets. They told us he was a terrier mix. Did you get a DNA done? I did it a year ago. He is a schnapso. Really? Two thirds Los Opso and one third schnauzer. I would have never seen the lives up. So he just got a haircut because we live in the woods and I cannot let his hair grow long. Um, but he has been my therapy dog. Yeah. Since the very past. And That's so, my six rabbits. Yeah. Cats and dogs. And uh, my animals, a lot of people are like, why do you have so many animals? I'm like, well, why not? They may be extremely happy. And before Bill died, I got into rabbit rescue and I studied and became a licensed rabbit educator for the American House wow. Rabbit Society. And I continued to uh, adopt rescue animals. And I've lost my 16 year old cat that was a rescue passed away a couple of weeks ago when I had COVID. Mm. And, um, but I totally get that dogs and cats, bunny rabbits. My wild possum that comes up to my porch for a year and a half. Nature and animals are so important for our healing. Absolutely everything. You know, two weeks ago, I took my little grandson and let let goats crawl all over me at a little. (laughs) I just, I mean, I love it. You just got to, you have to get outside. You have have to to find what could give you joy and sitting in your house is not a good idea. I tell everybody, you got to get out of your house. You need to do it some for some time. You do. That's okay. Absolutely. But you've got to put yourself. You got to get unstuck. Once a week, take a walk outside or go to the shelter and pet some cats or, you know, you just got to as hard as it is and places that need help. Well, I, I'm so glad that you came and agreed to share your story and your and Mary's story. And I hope that uh, anyone listening will get some, positive vibes from this and realize that no matter how hard that ALS journey or cancer journey or whatever it is, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You may have to do some struggling and uh, you may back up a few times, but if you just keep pushing forward, you will find that light again. And uh, as hard as it is, I just want to encourage people to keep pushing forward. Do you have anything last that you would like to say to those who are listening? Um. I, I just want to put a plug in for the Facebook groups. Please I think do. Facebook support groups are amazing. Um, not all of them will be a good fit for you. Keep looking. Don't give up. You'll find one. Just right. search. Um, I've mentioned the two that I am an admin for. 
Um, but if, if you're dealing with something other than ALS, there are support groups for everything. And if you're, you find a group that doesn't seem right, keep looking, they're out there. Exactly. And I'll reiterate, uh, like the cows, widow, widows and the ALS caregivers groups that she's an admin for, these are private groups. So you literally, if you are a widow, widower, you know, former partner, whatever that is, and you've lost someone, you can join cows, widows, and you can speak openly because it's private and there's no one in there except people just like you. And if you're going through the ALS journey right now with your your pals, your person with ALS, the ALS caregiving group also that she admins um, is also private and the patients are not allowed in there. People who right. are not caregivers are not allowed in that group. And Denise and the other administrators do vet that group really, really well. So you can get in there and talk very openly about the crap, sometimes literally, that yep. you're dealing with uh, more times than we want to remember, right, yep. Denise? Yep. Uh, literally, uh, you can talk openly in there and it's okay. It's not going to get back to your pals or anybody outside that group or anybody that's not in it as well. So I want to encourage everyone as well. If you're going through it now, join ALS caregivers. If you've gone through it already and you've already lost your loved one, then the cows, what is group? Uh, uh, it's great. So just you, you're, it's private and you're safe. I just want to, I just want to add. So there's an ALS caregivers group. That's for anyone who's a family member. Mm -hmm. There's an ALS spouses caregivers group that is for spouses and partners only. Mm -hmm. Cal's widows is for widows and widowers. And then there's also Cal's angels, which is open to other family members. Right, right. So I administer the spouse caregivers group and the widows group. And I will say that no topic is off limit. Yes, certain behaviors are off limit, of course. Correct. But, yeah. But no topic is off limit. We talk about crap. We talk about sex or the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. We talk about family members. We talk anger, about anger, abuse, all kinds of yeah. Um, because it's a safe place to feel heard. Right. And often, no one else in our lives. We either don't trust them, or we don't feel comfortable, or they're not going to understand. They won't. They but won't. These groups, we will. Yeah, we will. The those of us in these groups, that includes me. We are where you are. <laughs> we have been there. Yep. Some of us are still going through it, you know, in a real active way. And so you're going to find friendly ears. You're going to find people who truly, truly, truly understand. And um, as we close this episode again, you know, just like she said, we encourage you to be a part of those closed private groups and. If you can't afford counseling, this might be a really good place to get it. And I always offer in this, you know, I'm willing to talk to you. You know, you can email me at uh, lifeafterthatpodcast at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to respond. Um, but just, uh, you know, keep on keeping on, as my husband would say, and uh, keep listening to these uh, episodes as we continue for several more weeks. And you will hear many more stories and probably find some kinship that you didn't know was out there. So Denise, thank you again for joining us for this episode and uh, everyone uh, keep, keep following life after that. And uh, we'll keep trying to educate and help you out. Thank you so much.